because it was the harvest festival thing, did they just dress up as the crops? Like, <laughs> corn! <laughs> this year, I'm going Fruit as... Fruit of the Loom commercial. <laughs> Turnip! <laughs> Turnip! <laughs> <laughs> Hello! Alright, I'm Victoria. I'm Emmeline. I'm Tessa. <laughs> Welcome to Shit Face Facts, where three college BFFs with a love for research and alcohol get together each week to teach you something new. Today, What is I've... everyone drinking? Oh, great. Um, today I have a white wine. Um... That paired perfectly well with my individual size pineapple and Canadian bacon pizza that I had for dinner. Um, it's actually, okay, so the name of this is called Vinho Verde, which is Portuguese for green wine, but it's a white wine. Um, and I got it at Trader <laughs> Joe's, and it's from Portugal, from the brand Casal Garcia, and it's very delicious. Yeah, nice. my mom loves this shit, nice. so I drink it too. Uh, I'm drinking the same thing as last week because uh, I didn't buy alcohol this week. I'm having a raspberry white claw. Still no laws. <laughs> no laws. No laws. No raspberry. I'm drinking, it's a um, a smooth and fruity Moscato Rosé called Sweet Bitch because I know what I'm about. <gasps> Hell yeah. yeah. Has, ooh, Very on really brand. Tasty. I love it. Mm-hmm. I bought a really big bottle like a couple days ago and I still had like three fourths of it and I was like, this is it. <laughs> nice. I love that. We love that. Let's get into it, huh? Let's do it. Huh? Huh? huh. huh. We ready, huh? <laughs> that feels I think like we're a. Ready, huh? Like a northern thing, like a, but <laughs> make it, huh? I can make it a northern thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this week, um, I, I don't know. I didn't have the mental capacity to do any, like, extensive research. It was, it was a smooth brain week for me. So, um, in the spirit of October and Halloween... I'm going to tell you 26 fun and scary Halloween facts to trick or treat your friends. <laughs> Buzzfeed, is that you? No, it's not Buzzfeed. It's goodhousekeeping.com. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa! And they, thank you for citing your sources. Of course, but you guys are my only friends. I can't trick or treat you if you know the trick or treats. <laughs> we'll act. We'll act surprised. Um. Yes, so this is from goodhousekeeping.com, and they cite history.com a few times, so also them. And so yeah, Seems we're legit. just going we're just gonna have some nice friendly banter on Halloween fun facts. Um, <laughs> keep it light, you know. <laughs> you know, as as I faced facts, <laughs> some spooky face facts. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I'm just going to keep drinking wine and progressively get drunker with every fact. And I hope you're okay with that. A shot perfect. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, fun drinking game. Um, take a take a sip every time you don't know something. 
or do know something, depending on who you are. <laughs> Take a sip after every sentence. <laughs> every period. <laughs> All right, let's get started. So, uh, the holiday of Halloween goes back to more than 2,000 years ago. Um, it started as a pre-Christian Celtic festival to celebrate the end of the harvest period um, around the first week of November, the first weekend of November. And it was notoriously popular in Ireland and the United Kingdom and Northern France. Um, and people would light bonfires to like scare ghosts away during um, this time period, like pre-Christianity. So who knows what the Still fuck's going on. Ghosties. Yeah. And people would actually wear costumes too. So that's sort oh, of like cute. The beta version of Halloween as Would we know they, it. Like, because it was the harvest festival thing, did they just dress up as the crops? Like corn. <laughs> this year I'm going Fruit as of the loom commercial. Turnip. <laughs> Turnip. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't how do you define a a prehistoric costume? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What were the first Halloween costumes? Probably like I don't know. Sexy nurse was just like a sexy nurse was just a regular nurse, but you could see a little bit of her ankle. (laughs) 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 All right. Uh, While Tessa looks up prehistoric Halloween costumes, I'm going to prehistoric. Yeah, whatever. Uh, trick-or-treating was also a thing that happened during medieval times, um, except it was known as guising in Scotland and Ireland, because you would wear a disguise, you are guising. Um, oh, oh my god, that's so lame. The <laughs> <laughs> um, So young people would dress up in costumes and ask for food and money in exchange for song, poems, and other tricks at the time. Hold on. Can I now Hold go on. around to houses and go, give me money, like... That sounds like begging. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like these kids just begging day. (laughs) Exactly. It sounds like these kids just like they didn't have a food to put on the table. Well, and so this was like (laughs) the Salvation Army of the day. This was like the food bank. Yeah, begging but make it festive. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So yeah, today obviously kids go trick or treating except they ask for candy instead of money. It's not as exciting. Um, we I think we need to get back to it. <laughs> Make trick or treating exciting again. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> obviously, yeah. Please stay inside. Um. Anyway. Uh. Next, some Halloween rituals um used to involve finding a husband. So, during the <laughs> what? During the 18th century, um the young ladies would follow Halloween t- traditions that would um help them find a husband. So, according Sexy to history, costumes. yeah, exactly. Um ex- according to history.com, women would peel apples and throw the peelings over their shoulder and then see what initials made up their future husbands like initials. <laughs> That's science. That's science, <laughs> ladies. You can't beat it. That's so fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit. It's an XZ again. Who the fuck we know who's an issue for XZ? 
<laughs> do you think they ever tried to like on purpose make very specific initials <laughs> they're fucking apple peels <laughs> they'd form it in their hand backwards and then toss it over their shoulder <laughs> oh what a coincidence oh I- John Smith. <laughs> also, I found it looks like um, people wore costumes to like fucking play pranks on one another and then blame it on the spirits. So I think that they dressed up as the spirits. That would make sense. Oh, that's yeah. uh, that's the plot of a Midsummer Night's Eve dream. <laughs> Midsummer Night's Dream, not Eve. I'm drunk. <laughs> I really thought you were going for, like, the movie Midsummer. Midsummer, yeah. <laughs> oh, as we have discussed in in cut footage, I have not seen that movie. <laughs> well, it's a pretty pretty spooky movie for Halloween if you're looking for something that's not yeah, traditionally, like, sp- Halloween spooky. Like, if you yeah. want meta spooky, you can watch Midsummer. Yeah, last weekend I watched the 1991 Adams Family because I'm in love with Gomez, and that's about a, that's, that's the height of my spooky meter. Like I'm good. Yeah. You sure you don't want to watch Hocus Pocus? No, don't you say that name here. The don't three of us can dress up and Netflix party and watch Hocus Why Pocus. Why the fuck would you say that? Why the fuck would you say that name here? <laughs> Young maidens would also uh, competitively bob for apples at parties um, because the winner is supposedly the one that would get married first. So that's, I think, where com- like what bobbing for apples came from. What? Okay, yeah. Okay, oh my okay. God. So here's what I think. I think bobbing for apples was really to show the men what it would look like when they went down on them but you can say oh my god you, <laughs> you can say whatever it's, you it's want about it it's a genius oh but my I god that's a clear... and then you take a big old bite out no <laughs> <laughs> y'all i'm so drunk oh my god okay girl um, it's nine yeah well um so they would also stand in a dark room with a candle in front of a mirror and look for their future husband's face in the reflection. There's so much spooky. Like, uh, okay. Is I don't that? Know. I guess I don't see where... Halloween as a romantic holiday. What's the? Well, what's the scary mirror thing? Bloody Mary. Is that where that came from? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, really? well, Emmeline. Um. I think you've been living your life wrong this entire time because I totally see Halloween as a romantic holiday. Yeah, very romantic. Okay. Well, sorry I don't like Hocus Pocus. (laughs) (laughs) My Halloween movies include The Addams Family 1991 and Kiki's Delivery Service. That's a good list. That's good shit. Thank you. Okay. I, okay, I sorry. I was thinking like I don't really qualify Kiki's Delivery Service as a Halloween movie, but if you watch it around Halloween, then is then yes, yeah, your yeah, Halloween she, movie. So she's a witch. Guess. Yeah, There's she flies on a cat. broomstick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're there. Yeah, it's lighthearted, spooky. <laughs> it counts. It counts. You're valid, Emmeline. You're right. Um, thank you. Thank you. Uh, next on, uh, immigrants helped popularize the holiday, the holiday of Halloween in the United States when the Irish came at the end of the 19th century because of the potato famine. Um, and like I said earlier, it was a traditional Celtic holiday 
in that region and so obviously they brought it to the united states and that's um that's how like trick-or-treating as we know it today became a thing and like halloween celebrations as we know it today so we can thank the irish for that thank you irish all right next they gave us hocus pocus There was a sugar rationing during World War II, and that halted trick-or-treating for the for the era of World War II. Obviously, you know, men at war need sugar, so no candy for the children. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I do. Does um, sugar, like, fill you up? Is that a dumb question? I think it just gives you energy. All right. Actually, okay, while we're talking about shit face facts, all right, you want to hear some neurochemistry stuff? Okay, so I learned <laughs> that the the hormone or, like, the chemical in your brain that tells you stop eating your full is actually turned off when you eat sugar. So, <gasps> like, it, even Whoa. if you're full, that's why you can still have dessert. It's because sugar turns off those, like, hormone receptors or whatever. Oh, Damn. Wow. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Pop- that's probably why Halloween is the second largest commercial holiday in the country. Only after Christmas, oh consumers spend approximately $9 billion on Halloween last year in 2019, according to the National Retail Federation. That's a lot of candy and costumes. That's crazy. Okay, concept. <laughs> so much money. Concept. If we just had Halloween okay. every month, we could get the country out of debt. Period. <laughs> Wrap it up. Sell it. Run That's it. it. <laughs> That's go. it. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode. <laughs> Maybe I should be president. <laughs> hey, I support it. Tesla 2024? 20, 2020. No. 20, fuck it. 20 <laughs> this <laughs> year. This year. <laughs> um, all right. So it's next. your write in vote, Tesla. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. Um, anyway, Americans spend about $86.27 on Halloween every year, whether on candy or costumes. Um, and that's, like I said earlier, Halloween is the second, uh, largest commercial holiday in the U.S. uh, after Christmas. Christmas, uh, Americans spend... Oh, go ahead. $87. That's more than I contribute to my 401k every two weeks. <laughs> Ooh, she an you adult now. Halloween in your 401k. <laughs> <laughs> um, Americans on average spend about $1,048 on winter holidays uh, that in 2019, Jesus so Christmas. Christ. And New Year's, I guess. Yeah, not me. That was not me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this year, 2020, will be the first Halloween in 19 years to have a full moon. <gasps> that is so fucking important. Yes. Spoopy. Oh my god. <gasps> and, okay, side, this is a very astrological side note. Okay, so my pastime is astrology, and you're gonna learn something new. So, we recently had a new moon in Aries, which means the next new moon, which is on Halloween, is gonna be in Taurus. And Taurus, for me, gives, like, very, like, hearty, like, autumnal, like, you know, like, fall vibes. And so I think that's perfect for Halloween, in my opinion. Thanks, Taurus. It's gonna be the best Halloween from home ever. Hell yeah. yeah. So y'all gonna feel good on Halloween. I'm manifesting now. I'm manifesting it now. Um, the next, the next full moon on Halloween won't happen until 2039. 
Um, and in the 21st century, we'll only see six full moons on Halloween, and there'll be, they, there was one in, in 2001, there's one this year, 2039, 2058, 2077, and 2096. Wow. I wonder what my 401k will look like by then. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm looking at my notes, <laughs> nice. the, the website. Anyway, <laughs> um, so next fact is the Irish also brought us jack-o'-lanterns um, because as the story goes, an Irish man named Stingy Jack tricked the devil and therefore was not allowed. That was not his name. That's his name, Jack. Stingy First Jack. First name Stingy, last name Jack. <laughs> <laughs> um, he tricked the devil, and so he was not allowed into heaven or hell, and so he spent his days roaming the earth carrying a lantern and went by the name Jack of the Lantern. So Jack o' Lantern. Dude, that, that's I love solid. that story more than anything I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and I could not tell you why, but I do love it. Oh, to be roaming around the earth with nothing but a lantern <laughs> just me and a lantern and the earth yep. that's all you need that's the holy trinity <laughs> <laughs> um but they weren't only carving pumpkins they used to carve turnips potatoes and beets for their jack-o'-lanterns how dwight shrewd of you oh. <laughs> <laughs> um but once popular uh once Halloween became popular in the United States, people only started using pumpkins. Because that's the optimal um, gourd to yeah. carve for and Halloween. they taste better. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I like potatoes. I do like potatoes. Um, there's a traditional Halloween bread in Ireland called Whoa. the Barmbrack, or just Brack, <laughs> if you're lazy. Um <laughs> <laughs> and it's a sweet loaf that contains dark and golden raisins plus a small toy or ring in the center. Um, it's like similar to king cake. cake. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you find and it, do you have to buy the next brack? No. Uh, the person who finds the item will receive good fortune. It's more wholesome than king cake. That's way better. If you find the, if you find the baby, you have to buy the next king cake for the, for the party. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it's like you buy the next king cake at the next Mardi Gras. Um, I gotta find out how to make this bread. I bet you could. It sounds, it sounds good. It's too bad I my body hates gluten. I'm sure there's a gluten-free version. I'll tell you all about it. It's 2020. Thank if you, we can please. literally put man on the moon, we can make Halloween <laughs> bread without gluten. Sheesh. Okay. Oh, Emmeline. Emmeline, you're gonna hate this next fact. Oh no, okay, I'm, let me gird my loins. Okay, tell me. Disney almost made Hocus Pocus a completely different movie. <laughs> what do you mean completely different? Um, the original uh, title was Disney's Halloween House, and it went along with a much darker and scarier script. Yes. For Halloween House. The frightening Disney's Halloween House. Um... Leonardo DiCaprio almost played uh, the main character, Max, um, but he turned it down to do What's Eating Gilbert Grape instead. Well, yeah, I guess good that career worked move. out in his favor. Yeah. <laughs> he could have had his Oscar way earlier. <laughs> if he were in Disney's Halloween house. <laughs> Ooh, 
All right. Illinois produces up to five times more pumpkins than any other state. Um, Illinois. They have more than 15,000 acres devoted to gourd growing, according to the United States Department of Agriculture. And they typically grow about 50, no, I'm lying, uh, 500 million pounds of pumpkins annually. That's a shit ton of pumpkin. Much pumpkin. So much pumpkin. Yeah. <laughs> um, candy corn was originally called chicken feed. I think that's all we need to say about that, as candy corn is trash. Anyway. Hey, um, I love candy on corn. A second. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, if Emmeline can hate Hocus Pocus, I can hate candy corn. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. Oh, no. I We're have... really missing out on the candy corn sponsor here. Let me tell, right. <laughs> tell you. Because Leo got me some candy corn for the opening night of Revolutionists. It was very sweet, and he got me, like, three different kinds. One of them was, like, candy corn with chocolate-covered peanuts in there, and it was good fucking shit. It was so good. Oh, my God. You should look for it. It's so good. And one of them was caramel candy corn, also very good. Not as good as the chocolate-covered peanuts. Hmm. Candy corn is great. Fuck off. <laughs> I love candy corn. I love or candy corn. chicken's feet. Chicken I like feed. Ch- I like chicken feed. Oh, I love chicken feed. I like chicken feet. feet. Next up, you can visit a pumpkin patch in Hawaii. There's one in Oahu um, that like they grow in Hawaii. So I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. Huh. You wouldn't expect it there. All right. Next up, my the have y'all seen Halloween? Uh, with Michael Myers. I have not. You know I haven't. Okay, I haven't either. Anyway. Um, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was a movie made in 1978, and the bad guy, I assume is Michael Myers. Um, yes. I know that much. Yeah. Wears, like, a mask. He's, like, a mask murderer. Um, and when they were finding the mask, they had two options. It was either a scary clown mask, or it was uh, William Shatner as Captain Kirk from Star Trek mask. <gasps> And they used oh. the William Shatner mask um, and made it, they like spray painted wow. it white and like made the eye holes bigger. And that's the mask that he wears in the movie. Really? What? Yes. That is the. <laughs> wow. I've never Can been Can I confess happier. something to you guys? Yeah. That, I love that. That's so good. But I have a dark <laughs> confession that's probably scarier than Halloween itself. For some God, for some unknown reason, I. F- find myself magnetically attracted to Michael Myers as Austin Powers. (laughs) (laughs) That is pretty scary. That's frightening. You good? The fastest pumpkin carving was 16.47 seconds. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. Mm. So a man by the name of Stephen Clark... Uh, carved that pumpkin in that amount of time and the jack-o'-lantern had to contain a face a complete face with eyes nose mouth and ears um and he did that in 16 seconds so good for you wow whichever girl like that Picasso carved or? an apple and tossed the peel and had his initials was fucking lucky <laughs> um new york city throws the biggest halloween parade in the united states that draws no parade uh, not apparently not now, but like I guess oh. they usually do. <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard of a Halloween parade in New York, but then again, I've Me never neither. been to New York, so. Me neither. 
Um, but yeah, it draws. I have. It's all fake. <laughs> Apparently, it draws more There's than no Halloween parade. <laughs> two million spectators. Um, yeah, good, good job, New York. Um, the most popular children's costumes for Halloween are princesses and superheroes. Um, mm-hmm. the most Google costume of 2019 was it, the creepy clown. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, mm. do y'all remember when clowns were like <gasps> walking around? I was a podcast about this. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, when there were just okay. people being scary. Yeah. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> what What did your podcast say, Emmeline? Oh yeah, basically it was. Uh, you're wrong about they did an episode about killer clowns and basically like it. It they talked about how it was like the it was a continuation of like the stranger danger panic, which like was largely unfounded, and how like. Yeah, basically, it was just a, pe- a bunch of people pulling pranks. Yeah, I yeah, knew that you much. Can't, you can't <laughs> look that scary when you're pulling a prank. Yeah, no. that's just that crosses the line of pranks. That's like no. a- that's like April Fool's Day in COVID times. That like happened this year. <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> <laughs> um. All right the ho- the top Halloween candy is are Skittles. Gross. Um, and they out better gross. Um, (laughs) Skittles outranked M&M Snickers and Reese's cups, according to 11 years of sales data from candystore.com. I don't know why. Good for Skittles, I guess. And even though candy corn also made the top 10, um, they're also according to a survey from candystore.com, the worst Halloween candy. And I agree. Yes. That is blasphemy. Yes. That is heresy. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> a city in Canada banned teens over 16 from trick-or-treating. Um, according to the CBC, anyone over the age of 16 caught trick-or-treating in Bathurst, Canada uh, faces up to a $200 fine. It was just one town in Canada? Yeah. okay um it also has a curfew for everyone else but uh even those under 16 um aren't allowed to go trick-or-treating past 8 p.m on halloween which is stupid because i feel like i mean i understand why um because you know safety but like you got your parents there obviously i never went (laughs) trick-or-treating by myself so um, Harry Houdini died on Halloween in 1926. Um, cat shelters used to suspend cat black cat adoptions for Halloween because they thought they were like part of you know Satan, um, but obviously not anymore. And people oh, some fuck yeah, rock and roll. Yeah, some shelters <laughs> encourage uh, the adoption of black cats um, yeah. on Halloween. And there's like an actual study saying that like black dogs and cats are not adopted as often as like other animals which is really sad yeah Um, that's real facts i have a black cat and i love her um i would die for her so yeah um (laughs) the city of Keene, new hampshire holds the record for the most jack-o'-lantern on display with three thousand if i can't fucking read numbers thirty thousand five hundred and eighty-one lit pumpkins around town which is 
pretty impressive. It's lit. Uh, the night before Halloween is called Mischief Night or Goosey Night in some places. Goosey Night! Uh, yes. So in some places, <laughs> October 30th is the night you actually, like, play pranks on people. Um, like, TPing houses, which definitely happened to me one day. One how God, I have to burp. Um, someone TP'd my house on Halloween uh, when I was, like, 12. <laughs> it was really exciting. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> but usually this happens in the East Coast and the Midwest. Um, so, yeah, that's Goosey Night. And the last fact is that Monster Mash reigned supreme on the Billboard Top 100 in 1962, before Halloween, and it later recharted in 1973, but in August. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Cool. And there you have... There you have it. 26 fun and scary Halloween facts to trick-or-treat your friends. Yay! Okay. Insert cracking knuckles here. Okay, so (laughs) I foresaw this day coming. um, And so I had done research for a topic weeks ago. I would say even months ago. And so I had like an extra topic sitting around. So when I just like didn't feel like doing research, I could just pull it out. <laughs> and that's what I did. That's so a good idea. that's it. Yeah. Thanks. That's called being Thank you. prepared. So, yeah. <laughs> efficient, if you will. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So I was efficient. I was prepared. Um, the topic I am doing is on abjads, which is completely different from 26 spooky Halloween facts. Oh. Um, what is an abjad? I, I have subtitled this segment, I'd like to buy a vowel. <laughs> and that is because an abjad, also known as a consonant alphabet, is the name for a group of written languages that completely omit vowels. <gasps> Ooh. Okay. Ooh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'm here for it. I'm putting my yeah. chapstick on and I'm ready. Okay, get get prepared. So <laughs> I initially heard about this subject when I was a junior in college taking an intro to Judaism class. And um, spoiler alert, Hebrew is an abjad. And so my professor was talking to us about it. And he was like, yeah, um, it was yeah intro to Judaism, just like a thimble of Judaism. I know a thing. And <laughs> he, he basically told us like, oh, yeah, so... Uh, Hebrew's an ab- he, he didn't call it an abjad, but he basically just said, like, yeah, Hebrew has no written vowels traditionally. So, mm-hmm. um, and that, oh, my God, it blew my fucking mind. So a couple of months ago, I got to thinking, I was like, what are the implications of this? What is an abjad? And so I messaged him. So he's one of my sources. I don't want to name him because he's the professional, and this was not on the record. Um, <laughs> so I, I did interview my one of my previous professors, and then I mainly used Wikipedia and I think a YouTube video. <laughs> so, um, basically, in an abjad, in these written languages, rather than using vowels uh, or glyphs, like uh, you know, like like a picture to convey a whole word to convey meaning, graphemes, which I think is like cool linguistic language for like a single character representation of like a part of language. So a grapheme exclusively, exclusively represents consonants. 
So while the spoken language does use vowels, the written language does not. Mm-hmm. Because okay. of this, because there are no written vowels, reading comprehension depends on inferences made based on context. So, for instance, if English were in abjad, the words cat and cot would be written the same way, but depending on context, you oh. would either read it as cat or cot. Yeah? That so, sounds like a lot of mental maths. Yes, okay, so as <laughs> you can imagine, and as... Math. <laughs> yes, as we'll get into a little bit, um, like, it does create some confusion. Like, for instance, like, you could say, oh, I'm going to go out and get a CT. Um, okay, mm-hmm. are you getting a cat? Are you getting a cot? What are you getting, right? So, like, there is so much room for interpret. I say confusion, but I think what we're going to get into is it's not so much confusion for most people. For It's not confusion for people who, like, speak and read these languages Mm -hmm. but it is for those who try to who are not maybe native or familiar or fluent i do have a question please so in the cat cot comparison um in writing they would look the same but if i were saying to you in one of these languages i'm going to go get a cat you would know immediately because of the way I was saying it. Okay. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So it would only be like, let's say, let's say I'm texting you. And if I were to text you, Hey Tessa, (laughs) I, you know, go into the store today to get a cot, right. Or a cat, right. It's like that. But not only do you not know if I'm saying cat or cot, additionally, every other word in that sentence is missing all of its vowels. Isn't that just how emo kids talked and like, or, like, typed in, like, 2007, 2008. Correct. Thanks for the memories. Yes. <laughs> Emo talk is an abject. <laughs> yes. Perfect. Cultures transform. Okay. In our, in our, apart from emo texting in our most current day and age, all, if not most, abjads, let me start that over. <laughs> In our current day and age, most, if not all, abjads have morphed into what is called an impure abjad because they now contain diacritical marks to indicate vowels. So um, some of the examples of abjads are Arabic, Hebrew, and Phoenician. Those are like the big ones. And Phoenician eventually becomes Greek and Aramaic. Um, But especially with Arabic and Hebrew, which are still used widely today, those now include diacritical marks, which indicate what vowel to use. All right, that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh, like no, a I verbal cue, but in writing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like writing is what you mean, Tessa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <it's, laughs> okay. <laughs> so, my topic today is a little bit of both shit-faced facts and like shit-faced ranting because like none of this that I'm about to say is necessarily based in fact. It's all it's all concern I want to express and share with you that is built upon this knowledge that I have, right? Please share. So this is something that, this is knowledge I've had for about, you know, three, four years now, right? When I first learned this, it blew my mind and it's something I can't stop talking about. This is just a subject where like I could read about it forever. So let me set up my argument to you. So the Old Testament for... The Old Testament for Christianity is taken from the Hebrew Bible, right? Mm -hmm. The Hebrew Bible is written in Hebrew or specifically like a Paleo-Hebrew. That's like a really old Hebrew. And because of how Hebrew is written, 
because it's an abjad, it opens up religious texts to infinite interpretations, which for Judaism is just like it's a part of Judaism. Like it's known and understood. There are schools dedicated to different interpretations. Um, when I was interviewing my professor, it's uh, he said interviewing. I literally asked him a question and he sent me like six <laughs> paragraphs. Um, so this is called <laughs> this this kind of like study of a sacred text and its different interp- interpretations is called exegesis. One of the things that he said um, in talking to me is that there has been such extensive research done um, about the different translations of the Hebrew Bible. And there's been so much scholarly scholarly work that we can be pretty confident about. um, We can be pretty confident that we have a, quote, solid and robust translation of the whole Hebrew Bible. Um, And he went on to say, and he was very clear, he wanted me to know that Michael Fishbane calls it the exegetical imagination. So basically that the room to play and interpret is facilitated by the text. And it's almost an intentional purpose that's built into the language itself and adds to its sacredness, right? So I think where, like, my knee-jerk reaction was to say it's confusing, right? It's confusing to say, uh, to, to, to not have a language with written vowels. You know, it, it, he was saying, no, it's not that it's confusing. It's that it's intentional. It's that the language was built like this purposely to open it up to interpretation, right? Mm-hmm. So... There are a lot of differences between the Hebrew Bible and the Old Testament um, in that the everything that is in the Old Testament is, I believe, I'm 99% sure, everything that is in the Old Testament is in the Hebrew Bible, but the Hebrew Bible is like way longer. And additionally, the books that are in the Old Testament in the Hebrew Bible are in a completely different order. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, but like, here's why this is so scary to me, right? Because while there are different versions of the Old Testament, they all pretty much agree on like the big facts that are haha accepted as gospel. But why? Because Trey, okay, listen, and I'm this isn't this isn't the part I'm concerned about. Okay, we're getting there. I'm building up to build up, <laughs> follow. The, it's a snowball, okay? Because translating from Hebrew, anyone who spe- speaks Hebrew and grows up in Judaism fucking knows that this shit is fluid and it's up to interpretation, right? But in Christianity, in my experience and my general understanding as someone who has been to many different denominations and who grew up in a very religious family, is that it's presented pretty concretely, right? Like this is yeah. what the Bible says. Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, Emma, but why is this scary to you, right? Like, you are not a Christian. A lot of people are probably comfortable with this. Okay, this is why it scares me. Because there are people who believe that this book should be law, right? Like, that's why it's so scary to me. Because people, there are people who are, like, so concerned that their religion has to be, like, the supreme religion. Like, has to be, like, the national religion. They can't Mm -hmm. even entertain the thought that maybe some of this shit is up to interpretation, Right. Even putting aside abjads, right? Like even putting aside abjads, the New Testament is written in Koine Greek. okay, which is a descendant of Phoenician, which is an abjad. Additionally. okay, so it's written in Koine Greek about the words and lives of people who spoke Aramaic, which is also a child language of Phoenician, which is then translated into a bunch of different languages. Like, have y'all ever played telephone? and y'all want to fucking legislate the bible and even and like the bible was written literally thousands of years ago like obviously people are going to change it um like the whole like um 
the Bible is against gay marriage, like, no, the the original translation was, like, against pedophilia, but in the 70s they changed it to against gay marriage because politically, like, you know, because politics. So, yeah, like, yeah, it makes me angry, too. That's a good point. So, like, I think, and, like, this, is, this isn't something I explicitly wrote. This is just me talking off the cuff. Excuse me if it's not well thought through. But, like, I think if you are a Christian, like, the Bible is, like, I think it's got some good shit in there, right? Like, there's some good shit about, like, loving your neighbor and, like, the, the you know, the thorn in before you, like, the log in your eye, right? Like, there, there's some good shit in there, right? And I think it's a great, like, guide for, like, practicing personal spirituality and like if that's your religion yes like i support that i love that but like maybe don't make it a make it that for other people like maybe don't make it a requirement by law for it to be that for other people yes (sighs) so one of the things that victoria you mentioned is that like like for instance like well actually it doesn't say gay like it doesn't say a man shall not sleep with another man it's just like a man shall not sleep with a boy or whatever it is right like and some of mm-hmm. that is lost, lost in translation because like you don't have the context of that culture right so and like okay one of the things that my professor said when i was talking to him is that the old testament hinges on some far from accurate understandings of hebrew and the, the um, example he gave me was that virgin in Hebrew is actually more like a young person, right? Like the most okay. comparable word is virgin, but like it's, it's actually more like just a young person, right? And so it's not even necessarily like that the whole idea is wrong. It's not like we don't even know anything the Bible says. Ah, like, no, it's more like these key words are are like it's just like either either the definition has changed a little bit like it's tweaked a little bit to where it's made more political or like it's made more understandable in a context of the culture that translated it or it's that like it's just a completely different word entirely that based on context we couldn't tell if it was oh he parted the red sea or he parted the rye sea right like stuff like that (laughs) the rad sea yeah what a a (laughs) radical But a lot of it sounds like specifically with like the virgin versus young person thing is like it was translated in a time that it was politically useful for that. So like at some point virgin was the word that was politically useful and then past that it was never translated again to something that was more useful to the time, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Tessa, yes, I agree 100%. I think that is an excellent point. I would go on to say that I think I think we could probably agree, and I think most people would probably agree, like I don't think it's a, it's a wild thing to say, that some fluidity and uncertainty in religion is fine. I think it's good even that like acknowledging that you don't know everything for certain is really humbling, and I, I can see how that would help to strengthen someone's faith, right? Um, but you know what shouldn't be built on faith? The law. Yes. <sighs> so setting aside even separation of church and state, which actually doesn't quite mean what people think it means, but like, that's not fine. That's fine. Um, <laughs> the Bible should not be the basis for a society or like the governing codes of a society because we aren't even 100% on the content. Thank you. Curtains. Good night.
I, I would like to start mine off by saying that I looked for a recipe for an Irish brack loaf. <laughs> it's Ooh. not hard. It's not hard to make. It doesn't take that much. It's like Yeah, I mean, if it it could be made in medieval times, I'm sure it's not yeah, that hard. It like <laughs> takes a while cuz you have to soak some shit overnight. But like hmm. other than that, it's not that hard. I might nice. Wow. Anyway. Hell yeah. So, Halloween bread. Also, in the spirit of October, the spooky month, I I have decided to do, if you will, a series um, through Ooh. October on, yes. on some like spooky topics like hell yeah <laughs> things that we have traditionally seen in like Halloween movies that kind of thing so Ooh. in the spirit of uh, movies such as The Mummy and its sequels <laughs> I love The Mummy I, I also Love I'm gonna mummy. admit I've never seen the mummy, but I am gonna talk about mummies. <laughs> nice. Oh, uh, yes. So my sources really I, I found an article from the Smithsonian and a National Geographic article, and that's what I got. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, I support I you. They got a lot of information on on those websites. So we stand. Trigger warning to some like kind of bodily function and bodily harm things. Yeah. <laughs> so to to begin, I'm going to I'm going to go with the the type of mummy that we kind of all like have some semblance of knowledge about, which is the Egyptian mummy. Um mm. so so their <gasps> mummification yes. of like mummification is is a method of embalming bodies for burial, right? Um, mm-hmm. So in Egypt, um, for a while, it was practiced unintentionally because they would, uh, like, bodies would end up in, like, sand pits. And because of the dry sand and air, um, it, like, dried out and preserved the bodies unintentionally. And then hmm. in, like, 2600 B.C., ish we don't really know but like ish um (laughs) they started intentionally preserving bodies and then like probably started like kept doing that for another like two thousand years um so the process of mummification here we go hell yeah it took about 70 days it's very it's very long very important that's like making uh, sourdough bread yeah <laughs> out, of, out of dead bodies <laughs> oh god um so special priests had to had to like come in and know all of these like rituals and prayers and also had to be very uh very knowledgeable about specific human anatomy to be able to mummify a body correctly. Um, Hmm. So first, they removed all of the internal organs that might decay rapidly in in a body. So, uh, and this this is something, I I was going to say I assume that most people know this, but like, I don't know. I knew this because I was really interested in it weirdly when I was a kid. yeah, but, me too. Me too. Yeah, I was, really, <laughs> I was one really of those weird kids too. In, in mummification, but they would uh, take like a really long hook and put it up through the nose, 
and that's how they would take the brain out. Now, Ooh. so <laughs> and they, they would bring the brain out through the nose. Now, when I was a kid, Ew. I <laughs> I thought that like the brain came out in one whole piece. <laughs> <laughs> like, they would stick a hook up there and get the whole thing out in one tug. No, <laughs> they would. It would come out in like pieces of like brain tissue, um, and it was a really delicate process because it could like fuck up their face if you did it wrong. Um, Oof. So they had to do that. So, and then they would take out like the abdominal and chest organs by like cutting like making a cut in the left side of the abdomen and then like pulling them out mm. that way um oh and then yeah I <laughs> and then they would use jars called uh canopic jars i think i'm saying that right Ooh, yes. Um, yes 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 canopic jars that they would put the organs in to preserve um i want to mention here that also when i was a child i had a kit <laughs> that was like what a body and you would take all of the organs out of it and you had all the little jars and you would put stickers on the <laughs> jars for the different like deities and then put the organs in there and you would like what? get all the organs out and then they gave you like gauze to like wrap them up i had like a mummy toy oh my god i love what? operation <laughs> <laughs> so I can, like, That's learn amazing. how to mummify a body. It's, I don't know why I was so interested in that, but I still kind of am. So, so okay. <laughs> sorry, I have to interject again. So when I was when I was in elementary school, I went to like I was a part of like this gifted and talented program, and so mm-hmm. I would go like me and some kids from my class would go to a different school every Friday, and we would learn about a niche topic. And in the third grade, um, it was, like, ancient Egypt. And so, like, we had we watched a documentary on, like, the process of mummification. And just showed us, like, actual footage of, like, you know, scooping the brain out of the nose. And <gasps> it was really see that. terrifying. Honestly, ah! I don't know how I got in, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, okay. So, to go into more detail about these canopic jars, I read that there were four jars, and each one was for a specific organ and had like a specific deity attached to it. Um, so there was Hoppy. I think I'm, I hope I'm pronouncing these right. I might not be, so I'm sorry, but there was Hoppy, which was the baboon headed God. Um, Mm -hmm. and that jar was for the lungs. Um, there was Duamutef, the jackal headed God, which was for the stomach. Uh, there was mm-hmm. Imsati, the human-headed god for the liver, and Kibesanuith, the falcon-headed god for the intestines. Um, which hmm. again made me think hmm. of my little my little mummy toy <laughs> that I had sticker, <laughs> stickers for the canopic jars to put. Oh things. man! Um, and that's all I could think about. But like, I think that's really interesting. Anyway, okay, so. After they removed all of these, uh, all of the organs, they would remove all of the moisture from the body using, um, natron, which is, like, a type of salt, and they would, like, put it in, like, the body cavity and also on the outside of the body to, like, dry it out, um, which is crazy. And then... Yeah. (laughs) And then after that, they would start wrapping the body with linen, 
and it took like hundreds of yards of linen like so much linen your linen cabinet not enough right? <laughs> so like and it was super careful like uh they would usually like if they were wrapping the hands they would wrap each finger individually and then wrap the hand and the same thing with the toes and the foot they would do that kind of thing um and then to protect them in the afterlife they would put like amulets between layers of linen and then the priest would would say some prayers and like write magical words on the linen itself and then keep wrapping um and then like several stages in it it didn't say how many stages specifically but several stages in they would coat the body in warm resin they would do that and then do more linen like keep wrapping just keep going and then after some more layers no one knows specifically but like some more layers and then they were done and they were ready for burial um and then like of course they would have like super elaborate tombs um, they put stuff in, I just wrote stuff. Um, <laughs> they, they put stuff in their tombs like that they would want them to have in the afterlife. Um, and then at their funeral, there was a ceremony called the opening of the mouth, um, which the priest would use a special instrument and then go over different parts of their body and touch parts of their body. And then I think like say like a prayer or like a, some ritualistic words, that kind of thing to open those parts of the body for the afterlife. And it was basically so that, um, it was to ensure that the person could use those parts of their body in the afterlife. And then the last Oof. thing, yeah, the mouth was always last so they could, uh, speak and eat in the la- in the afterlife. Oh um, yeah. How much would it suck if someone forgot your dick? what's the point of living forever (laughs) the next thing that i wrote down was like why did the egyptians do this right um it was obviously like a very spiritual thing for them um a lot of people thought that it was like they were really focused on death but it was that they were so focused on having a wonderful life that they wanted their fucking mm. awesome lives to continue even after they were dead. Yeah. You know, like, mm, my life sense. is fucking awesome. Let's keep going. Like, keep the party going, <laughs> baby. Um, after they were dead. So that's why they, like, mummified people the way that they did. Um, and they believed that the body was the home of the soul, and so if the body was destroyed, then the soul might be lost in the afterlife, and then they wouldn't be able to have their eternal life. And then there were, like, these three parts of that. Um, I'm going to try to explain these the best that I can. Um, what The first one was uh, Ka, which is, like, the, the double, which was basically their body that remained in the tomb. And then there was Ba, which was their soul, which was free to, like, leave and go away and then come back to the tomb. Um, and hmm. then there was Ak, uh, which trans- rough, uh, like, these are rough translations, I think, um, which was their spirit, 
which would travel, that was the part of them that traveled to the underworld and experienced their final judgment and then moved on to their afterlife. And uh, they believed that, like, all three of those things were required for them to, like, have an afterlife. Yeah. Hmm. So, so then having an afterlife is kind of like entering the avatar state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay, gotcha. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> I like I keep thinking about it. I'm like, uh-huh. That's pretty much it. <laughs> um, yes. Um, and then like I also wrote down just a little fun fact, like what types of, of people got mummified in, in the Egyptian uh way. Um, which was basically just nobility and then animals that had some sort of religious significance. I also wrote down, like, what ty- what other types of mummies are there? Because, like, they exist. It wasn't just Egypt. I want, I, there's one specific culture I'm thinking of, and I really hope you talk about it. But if you don't, if it's I okay. If I don't, you should. So, <laughs> I would love it if you did. <laughs> so, um, in Ireland... This one was kind of surprising to me. To be fair, it was like an unintentional mummification. So it wasn't like they were like um, intentionally going and mummifying bodies. But in Ireland, uh, there w- there are what they call bog bodies in National hmm. Geographic. Hmm. They call them bog bodies. And it was um, bodies that had been thrown in bogs. And because there is so little <laughs> <laughs> crazy, there there no, is so I... <laughs> what? <laughs> All I can think is, do I make you boggy, baby, Randy? <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you fucking myself. talking about? <laughs> That's a quote from Austin Powers. Oh, you oh. know I never really watched Austin Powers to be on with honestly. You're video. missing out. He's so sexy. I didn't know you thought he was sexy Um, I don't know why I can't explain it (laughs) Okay So In bogs There is like very very little oxygen And so like The bacteria That Like the bacteria in dead bodies that the oxygen usually like eats up there wasn't any oxygen to fucking eat it up right so like Mm. bodies Mm. were preserved for fucking centuries just in the bottom of these irish bogs so the oldest on record bog body is a approximately four thousand years old which is older than king tutankhamen Ooh. Which is a, a famous another Egyptian mummy. mummy, King yeah. Yes. <laughs> so there is an Irish bog body that's older than him. Wow! Earth, wow! Earth is obviously older than four thousand years old. Just, <laughs> just in case we needed to clarify that. Um, Seems sus, but okay. <laughs> fuck. okay. Do you know anyone four thousand years old? I do not. Have you ever seen Earth and someone 4,000 years old in the same room? Yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) Checkmate atheists. If I look at this 4,000-year-old bog body, maybe. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So um, the only, like, drawback of bog bodies is, like, 
Um, in other mummies, you can they can usually tell like their DNA and kind of their lineage, um, but with these bog bodies, um, the the water I guess kind of wipes away their their DNA, um, so they can't tell their lineage, but they can tell like their lifestyle and like the kinds huh. like just the kinds of things that they ate, I guess. Okay, yeah, that's kind of like based on their skeletal structure, I guess. Something. That's, that's all really I got. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's that's super, so cool. Wait, so when mummies were mummified, where the people were mummified, and the food that was in their stomach when they died, does it stay there? I don't. Yeah. Well, okay. So like. No, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Because I know this because um, when people die, part of the autopsy is looking at the contents of their stomach because mm-hmm. once you die, you stop digesting food. So, yeah. like, if their body's preserved, then, like, yeah, whatever they ate that, you know, for, like, the last eight hours is probably also preserved. Yeah, and I, I guess it's, like, whatever part of the food that they ate that uh, was not eaten up, like, by oxygen was still there. Maybe I did. Hmm, there weren't yeah. a lot of details on that, but it, it was uh, like, we can tell their lifestyle, but not where they came from. Like that kind of thing. But you might be right. Hmm. That seems fair. Um, so nice. Moving on. The oldest type of mummies um, from my research. Again, these are like the whole mummy thing is very like no one really knows they're very old, so, you know. <laughs> um, but these are the uh, Chinchoro mummies from Chile. Um, the Chinchoro people were a group of people. They were like fishing people is, is how they were described in the article that I read. Um, and they lived approximately 9,000 years ago. So, like, even older than the bog bodies. Man. Damn. Nine. The Bogdies, if you will. The Bogdies. <laughs> <laughs> that's a long ass time ago. That's so long. That's so. How many long. drops of water is that? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a callback joke, baby. Um, so, <laughs> the the Chinchoro mummies are also known as uh, the black mummies because. They were painted in a layer of manganese, um, which is a metal that's like, it's like iron, um, but not quite, I guess. And it's, it's black. So they, they called them the black mummies. That's metal. Um, yeah. And, and I got a little bit about, <laughs> about their process. So in, in the Chinchuro process of mummification, they would first cut off their head and their arms and legs and like scooped out the the article that I read used the verb scoop and I was like are you Ew. sure <laughs> they scooped like out their ben organs and Jerry's. <laughs> no um, they scooped out their organs and their flesh they emptied they would often empty their brain through a hole in their skull Ooh, like which, like an egg yolk, just like <laughs> plop it out. Just like I guess there would be dr- well, sound effect included. Um, 
but like piece by piece, I guess, kind of like the hook in the nose, but in a different place. I don't know. Um, through a hole in the hole in the skull, they would peel their skin away. And then reattach it later. <laughs> and in the article that I read, it was like somebody mentioned that it was like a sock. <laughs> no! Whoa. I know. I was like, so oh God. <laughs> if you're oh putting it back, God. what's the point of peeling it off in the first place? Um, I don't have an answer for all you. The <laughs> damn good stuff inside easier to get out? I don't know. Um, mm, the dermis. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it was like put things inside of like the cavity of the body i read a couple of different things um one source said that they filled the body cavity with plants clay and wood which i like a lot more than the other one i was like yeah put some plants in there yeah Yeah. make it eco-friendly grow some grass in me um and then (laughs) The the article from National Geographic said that they filled the body cavity with hot coals so that they could dry the body, um, which I guess makes oh. sense as to drying the body, but whatever. <laughs> um, oh, yikes. And then they would put the skin back on, and then Ooh, they would, like, quote-unquote, rebuild the body with sticks and animal hair and then they would cover the body in white ash and then they would on on their head attach like a short crop of black hair to their scalp um and then they would paint them with manganese um so yeah that's that's the chinchoro like process of mummification mummification uh no one really knows why they did it but for funsies, for funsies, it was it was like I'm huh. assuming that it is also like a spiritual reason that they did this. Um, so the next process of mummification that I have written down, yes, is, um, and and they, from what I understand, from my research, they still do this today. It's like a f- 21st century mummy. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I don't super, I still, I should have looked it up. I still don't super know how to pronounce uh, Papua New Guinea. Papua New oh, Guinea? Oh, yes. Papua. I think, I think Papua. you're right. Papua? Yeah, Papua okay. New Guinea. I was right. Okay. Um, <laughs> in Papua New Guinea, they, they continue, maybe not all over Papua New Guinea, but like there, there is a continuation of mummification. Um, where they take dead bodies, they smoke them in a hut Ooh. to, uh, I'm assuming, to dry them out. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, until the skin and organs are desiccated, and then they cover the body in red clay, which, like, maintains their skeletal structure, and then they place hmm. them in a jungle sh- shrine, which sounds pretty fucking badass <laughs> yes put me in a jungle shrine baby Do <laughs> that's it. how i want to go yeah it's it's pretty cool and then they'll like um when there are celebrations that will bring the bodies out for celebrations and then like loved ones will go and visit their ancestors that kind of thing wow um, 
And in my research, from what I understand, they mummify people so that they will not be forgotten. Um, oh. Which hmm. I think is sweet. It's like a living, or not? I guess not living. It's like a 3D picture of your relative that was your actual relative. <laughs> and you can touch them, but they're dead. They're dead. That's all I is, want. It is the person that you want them to be. To be fair. <laughs> So, um, and to get into, this is really the reason that I asked you guys, like, are you okay with some gross shit? Um, Ah, fuck it. I'm so ready. I'm so ready. (laughs) So, um, for a time, the Buddhist monks in Japan, (gasps) China, and India. Yes, yes! Sokushin Butsu! Tried to self-mummify themselves. uh, Yes. Right? Yes. What is the name that you said, Emmeline? It did not so come across this. Butsu. Yes. yes. That's that, that's that um, taking Japanese at the age of 10 knowledge right there. Yeah, buddy. Nine, <laughs> baby, nine. <laughs> at nine years old, you knew how to self-mummify. Um, <laughs> so. uh, Tim and I actually talk about this uh, before we go to sleep quite often. Oh, my really? God. Yeah, nine-year-old you didn't know how to self-mummify, but they could. You could like call it out if you saw it being done. Like yeah. you'd be like, <gasps> "Look, it's uh, that." What is the word again? I'm so sorry. Please say it. Oh one no, more it's time. okay. It's sokushinbutsu. Sokushinbutsu. Sokushinbutsu is the process of mummifying yourself, according to Buddhist monks. So, sokushin mushu. Did I say it right? No, it's here. Let Fuck. me it, let me send it to you in a. No, no, it's okay. It's so much easier if you see it. Let me send it to you in a. Let it's me send so it much to you easier when you're not drunk too. Um. <laughs> because okay, so Japanese is a perfectly phonetic alphabet. So like, all of the letters are pronounced the same. Or like Just all like letters are pronounced the same always. Yeah, exactly like Finnish. Sokushin butsu. Okay, so there you go. <laughs> I'm so You'll, sorry, you got it, you Japan. Got it. Just to the whole country, I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So, Sokushin Butsu, according to Emmeline, is the is the process of mummifying yourself. And according to some Buddhist monks, I found it very interesting. I was like, fuck, y'all really went through it. Um, so, in Sokushin Butsu, uh, Buddhist monks believe that, like, it would maybe give them special powers if they self-mummified or that one day they would wake up as if they had just been asleep the whole time and then they were awake and they were alive again i guess did it work i don't think so (laughs) (laughs) not Not that i know of (laughs) no Um, one's woken up yet (laughs) it's been a few years um (laughs) so the way that they started this they would spend three years on a diet of nuts and seeds and that's all they would eat that's it um and then for the that sucks i know food is so fucking good but like buddhist monks i know oh. uh, have some kind of like what's the word i'm looking for discipline, discipline. yeah <gasps> nice they had such <laughs> incredible (laughs) discipline right so like they would eat nuts and seeds for three years and then three years after that they would eat three they would eat bark and roots and that was it hmm Ah, 
okay. and, and so that was like to deplete their it depleted their bodies of fat and so the bacteria that breaks that like deteriorates bodies didn't have anything to feed on because there was no fat in their in their bodies um after that they would and this i read this and i was like i should probably ask emmeline and victoria if they're okay with some gross shit um please after that they would drink poisonous tea so that they would repeatedly vomit and lose all of their bodily fluids um which was okay again (laughs) again so that the bacteria that deteriorates bodies would have less food. That, that Okay, so they're like dehydrating the themselves from the inside out? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. And then after yeah. that, they're all like dried up, no fats, skinny, skinny. No thoughts, head empty. <laughs> Smooth brain. <laughs> Smooth brain. Um, <laughs> they, they moved to a tomb where all they had was and they were like buried they had an air tube and a bell and each day um their day was filled with meditation and then once a day from what i understand every day they would ring the bell to make sure that the other the other people at like the monastery would know that they were alive they were like hello i'm alive um, which which reminded me because I know in in a lot of like scary movies there's a whole thing about like there were bells for a period of time maybe in Europe that were like um, if somebody had been buried alive they would ring a bell. Is that yes, a thing? Yeah. Yes. Old yeah, coffins. Yeah, old coffins would have a bell in them so that if someone was accidentally buried alive they could ring the bell. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I wondered if, like, this was another influence on that. Interesting. It's like, hello, I'm a- it just, I mean, it's practically the same thing that, of going, like, hello, I'm alive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then after, like, once um, nobody heard the bell ring anymore, then they would, like, cut the air supply and then seal the tomb. Um, and then, uh, like, they would assume that the monk was dead. Um and then, like, from my research, like, usually this type of mummification would fail. Like, the bodies would still deteriorate. Um, and now, officially, <laughs> Sokushin Butsu is, like, discouraged by monks. They're like, don't fucking do that. Um, officially in written stuff. Okay, um, good. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. Yes. Um, I agree. So, so then I wanted to do some research on, like, how mummies came to be in, like, film and TV and, like, Halloween stuff, right? I, mm-hmm. every, every variation of, like, how did mummies start being in film? Every variation of that that I Googled, I got fucking nothing. Um, <laughs> so I don't know why or when... People, oh, oh, I know when. I don't know why people started using that in movies or TV shows that were, like, spooky shit. Um, but I do know. I do know when. Um, I do know that in 1932, that is when the first, like, mummy in a movie happened. Um, and hmm. apparently 
there is a movie from 1932 that is called The Mummy. <laughs> hey. um, wow. I know. And it's starring... Uh, have, you, have, you, have you guys ever seen um, Frankenstein? Like the original Frankenstein? I think so. I've seen young Frankenstein. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so the like original Frankenstein. I don't know what year it was, but uh, an actor named Boris Karloff played Frankenstein. That name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Um, He also played the first mummy in film ever. Hmm. Um, Nice. In the Mummy. In 1932, creatively um, named. <laughs> yeah. So, so I don't know how or why that that started, um, and but like I kind of wrote down some like assumptions. One of them is that like the dead coming back to life is always kind of scary. I I guess the the idea that you don't know what it looks like is also kind of scary. Or mm-hmm. hear me out racism <laughs> um so oh. like yeah the the idea that in in western culture it's more christian right um and then like looking at eastern spirituality is kind of vilifying eastern ideals i yeah, don't know if that's out. actually what was going on in the 30s but it does check out for me <laughs> um so like, well, I was gonna say because like there's this, I, I don't think it was necessarily inspired by this movie, but at the time there's like a larger cultural obsession with mummies because I believe like the 20s and 30s is when the first excavation of a pyramid happens, and okay. so I know at the time something really wild about mummies that just made me want to vomit is that people in the 30s would buy like rich white people in the 30s would buy a mummy that they had excavated from a tomb to eat because they thought it was like good for their health so like dead ass if you like google 1930s people eating mummies like they would have parties and invite their friends and they would like Uh, eat parts of a mummy (gasps) yeah right so they were stealing stuff but uh but yeah white people in america used to eat mummies that Thank you is for bringing that up. <laughs> I hate it. Yep. I hate it here. I'm out. Yep. <laughs> wow. Yep. Yeah. And I did. I did write down that I did some research on uh, the 1999 version of the Mummy. I don't know if it's yes. the an adaptation of the 1932, but sorry. I um. But <laughs> I did write down that. That movie was criticized by the Arab American Anti-Discrimination Committee for their portrayal of Arab people. Hmm. So, I believe like, it. Yes. I believe it. Yeah. Yes. It's a thing. Um, but yeah, that, that's my that's my mummy research. I never I thought of it that I, way. And that's well, very privileged yes. for me to say. But like, damn. Yeah, and I will, think. I will continue for the month of October to be talking about some spooky shit. So, Ooh, hell yeah. forward to that. We are officially I... in spook face facts. Ah! 
Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Shitface Facts. If you want to keep up with us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at shitfacefacts with no I, so S-H-T face facts. If you want to shoot us an email with any spooky facts or any just random facts you want us to know in general, you can email us at shitfacefacts with no I, so S-H-T face facts at gmail.com. And if you want to leave us a voice memo, you can do that on Anchor at anchor.fm slash shitfacefacts, also with no I. And remember, there's no I in team and there's no I in shit. Shit.